Welcome to episode 79 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Diane, Natalie, Diane, and Sandra. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Diane, Natalie, Diane, and Sandra, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. How is Al Anon funded? Why don't we take outside contributions? What if we all lived our lives in that way? Today we're going to talk about Tradition 7, which states every group ought to be fully self supporting, declining outside contributions. And my guest today is Ruth. And uh, Ruth, could you read uh, Tradition 7 in German? Hello, Spencer. Yes, I can. Siebte Tradition. Jede Gruppe sollte sich selbst erhalten und von außen kommende Zuwendung ablehnen. And that's a, I think that's our shortest tradition. Yes, it looks like. We, one of the meetings that I go to uh, reads all 12 traditions at the beginning of the meeting, and I always am astounded at how long some of them are, seem at least. And th this one is so short, and it says so much. Yeah, I think it is um, pretty clear. Why do you think we have this tradition? Well, um, I actually wanted to uh, start with a reading here from uh, Courage to Change. This is uh, from July 6th, which is uh, the day we're recording. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ruth selected this. Thank you, Ruth. So many of us come to Al-Anon feeling we've gotten a raw deal from life. It isn't fair, we complain. Don't I deserve better after all I've been through? The prayer quoted in our Just for Today pamphlet may shed some light on this subject when it says, Grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive. Instead of questioning what life is giving us, perhaps we might profit more by asking what we ourselves can give. By reaching out to help others in a healthy way, we move beyond our problems and learn to give unconditionally. Every moment can be an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to change our lives. Al-Anon offers us many good places to start, setting up chairs, welcoming newcomers, leading a meeting. When we discover that we really can make a positive contribution, many of us find that self-esteem has replaced self-pity. And I feel like that reading um, speaks to uh, maybe not the primary reason that Tradition 7 exists, but it, a very important one, which is that we, uh, particularly in uh, those of us in Al-Anon, have, have often spent a lot of our lives taking care of other people and not really seeing to our own needs. And Tradition 7 encourages us to see to our own needs and to not expect that it's other people's responsibility to see to our own. What do you think, Ruth? Your first uh, traditions are for, for Al-Anon, and maybe I'll read it again in English. Every group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. And I think it is, um, as we talked last time about Tradition 6, mm -hmm. it is, um, yeah, it's really obvious why we have this. If you are, because if you are going to be dependent on other institutions or groups, uh, it is very likely that you get uh, distracted on uh, on your primary purpose. Then um, there will be maybe arguments about 
about money and it, it says self-supporting, which for me means um, support your primary purpose and uh, not having to last, but also not having too much. Yeah, and, and I know the reading um, about Tradition 6 points out that we, we have expenses. We have um, usually uh, our groups pay rent to whatever um, facility that the, the group meets in. Um, we have uh, literature that we give away and, uh, and, and maybe other expenses. I know that uh, one of my groups has uh, a couple of times sent a representative to uh, uh, one of the annual conferences and, you know, that takes money and, and it's not, you know, since the, the person is going as uh, a representative of the group, then it's really contingent on the group to, to support that activity, to help pay some of their expenses and maybe not all of them because the person's also going uh, for their own benefit as well. But mm -hmm. so there are expenses and where does the money to support, to pay those expenses, where does that come from? And this tradition says it comes from the members of the group and from nobody else. Uh, and I know that a good friend of mine, when uh, she started coming to Al-Anon meetings, most of them, maybe we talked about this last, last month with tradition six, because it does overlap. Most of them were in churches mm -hmm. and she felt uncomfortable. She felt that the, the group was somehow part of the church and that perhaps Uh, she was going to be uh, urged to a particular set of beliefs or something uh, because it was meeting in the church. And when she discovered that, uh, in fact, the group paid rent to the church for use of their space, uh, it made her feel much more comfortable about where we were meeting because she realized, no, we really are independent. Um, there's no no religious connection here at all. It's just that uh, the church has space that they are, are willing to rent out to the group for, frankly, for a price that the group could afford. Uh, and, uh, mm. and so in that sense, the, the tradition seven, that we pay our own expenses uh, through, from our own contributions, uh, made it more comfortable and easier for her to stay as a member. I just had a... Uh, crazy idea it was you know I was thinking okay money is clear why we shall have our own money but I was thinking if we if we would be in a group all very wealthy people and we would uh, not rent a, a, a tiny room in a church basement but a hotel room hmm. and we're having somebody paid for leading the meeting paid for putting up the shares and so on and so we uh, we lost signal there for a minute, uh, Ruth, and uh, perhaps you could um, go back to, to what you were saying. Yeah, I was saying uh, it is all also um, all the other things we are doing for our group to support ourselves, like it is said in the reading, putting up the chairs and, and leading a meeting, welcoming newcomers. And so if you maybe would employ or pay somebody else for doing it, would most miss the opportunity to, to do service and, and grow. And also, you know, having outsiders in or, or whatever. And uh, so self-support also for Alanon Group contains for me doing all this other small 
non-paid services, I would say. Yes, it, it really does. And um, I want to I circle back a little bit. You started out by saying if, if everybody in the group was wealthy, maybe we would meet in a fancy hotel room instead of in a church basement. But um, I, in fact, I re- was reading uh, Tradition 7 in the book Paths to Recovery, and there it talks about um, l- having limits on how much money any one person can contribute. Mm-hmm so that uh, other members of the group don't end up feeling uh, beholden to or in debt to um, a person who, who makes a large contribution. And that seems like a very wise, very wise yeah. thing also, that we, we contribute enough, just enough really, to keep, um, keep our meeting healthy and to keep Al-Anon as a whole healthy. And I know that... Um, the meetings that I attend, the groups that I'm part of, uh, some of the money that we collect in the meeting, uh, we often collect more than is needed to to pay the rent and and pay for literature that, that we're giving away. And, and uh, maybe once a year we have a, a, a group party uh, celebrating the anniversary of the founding of the group or something. And, and beyond those expenses, the rest of the money doesn't, just pile up and up and up in a bank account somewhere, but we send it on to um, the the regional and national mm-hmm. and world uh, Al-Anon organizations to help support Al-Anon as a whole. Yep. But uh, coming back to service, I think you're right. There, there really are two, at least two points to service. One is that these are things that, that need to be done in order for the group to function. And if they don't get done, uh, the group may uh, the group may fall apart uh, if there's nobody there to open a meeting if there's nobody there to to lead if there's nobody uh, there to to greet people and perhaps direct them to the the room deep in the bowels of the building where the the meeting is actually happening I mean I know I've been to a number of meetings where I would walk into uh, a, a building usually a church and have no idea where to go. And if there hadn't been somebody there greeting, saying, oh yes, you need to go up these stairs and, and down the hall, and it's the fourth room on the right, uh, and there will be signs, uh, I would not have found the meeting. And if nobody finds the meeting, the meeting doesn't happen. Setting up chairs. Uh, the, the the meeting that I go to on, on Wednesdays typically has 60 people or so, and it's a lot of chairs, and I guess we could leave it that everybody grabs a chair on the way in, but then that's not very welcoming. And somebody who's coming in new wouldn't know that they're supposed to get a chair, and they'd come in and say, oh, there's no chairs, there's no place for me to sit, I guess I'll, mm-hmm. I'll leave. Uh, putting chairs away at the end of the meeting is something that, that many, of our, many of our meetings have to do. You know, we, we, we have to leave the space that, that we're meeting in at least as uh, nice uh, as we found it or we probably won't be meeting there a whole lot longer. So there, there are many kinds of service, and, and it really is very appropriate that, that we need to do those ourselves. One of the things that, that, that I think about here is when, as soon as I think about service, I think about, well, how, how do I provide service uh, to the meetings that I attend. And, and I thought I might turn that question around. And I know you have spoken in the past about some of the ways you've been of service uh, to your Al-Anon groups. Yes, I think um, the first service is coming. 
because without uh, members, there is no Al-Anon meeting. Hmm. What if we had a meeting and nobody spoke? Yeah. That would not be much of a meeting, would it? <laughs> yeah. It is just being there, just coming. Yes. It's, uh, it's a kind of service. You know, and uh, the funny thing, like all the services I, I do in Al-Anon is first you're thinking, oh, I'm doing it for the others. And uh, today I'm I'm tired and whatever, but I'm coming because you know it's a kind of commitment coming and attending a meeting too. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then uh, you you find out uh, that it is um, it helps you more than maybe the others or helps the others too. But it is uh, your my experience is I'm starting to doing any service. And then I gain much more from it than I put into it. Um, I'm one of the early persons in my uh, meeting. So I normally help uh, to set the shares and uh, to heat the water for the tea and put out the literature. But I'm also there to talk to people, maybe welcome newcomers. And um, I'm group representative mm-hmm. and... Uh, I'm also uh, started to do uh, some translation. So, really? yeah, that's what I, yeah. <laughs> and um, because we, I think, um, we take all the literature from Elanon uh, US, mm-hmm. but there are many people in Germany who don't speak uh, English good enough to understand and mm-hmm. Uh, so there's always um, translation is one hour of our services in Germany too. Hmm. So when you do that translation, is it then um, is it then distributed to um, groups throughout Germany, or you do it for your own group? I... No, um, it is uh, in Germany. We have a committee, mm-hmm. a translation committee, mm. and. Um, uh, with different roles, people who are translating, people who are reading uh, again, you know, how it is editing, mm-hmm, is it maybe mm-hmm. called? Yeah. And um, uh, then it goes, it, it is a long process mm-hmm. because we want to make sure that um, we uh, take over the original intention of the, yeah. of the text and, and do it right. And there, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of things to do. And I've started doing it, but I'm, I'm not finished at the moment um, because I had so many other things to do. And I, I think always with service, it is important uh, that you don't lose the sight of your own recovery. Oh, if you are, if I would uh, now leaving all my, my personal duties behind and not taking care for my personal life, just saying, oh, I'm focusing on this translation or whatever, um, then it would be like a boomerang. It would make me feel uh, exploited, even though nobody asked me, but I'm doing it myself. And having maybe again, again, the feeling I'm doing too much. So I think also in service work, you have to keep in mind your own recovery and seeing the thin line of you know, being a victim, feeling exploited by putting myself in a situation or doing service in a healthy way. That is very true. That is very true. It's always, it's always for me, um, has to be about balance. 
um, how much can how much service can I do while still um, taking sufficient care of my own needs? And uh, I think you said that very well. So I want to think a little bit about taking the spirit of this tradition of being self-supporting, meeting our own needs, and and taking it outside of the Al-Anon program, outside of the Al-Anon group, and how it applies in our own personal lives. Because I know I've heard many people talk about um, this when uh, maybe in an open talk or something, and uh, that, oh yes, Tradition 7, I need to take care of my own needs um, rather than relying on other people. And I think that, uh, again, the reading that we opened with sort of mm-hmm. um, touched on that, about uh, this feeling of, don't I deserve better? Uh, what is, what you know, this feeling that maybe the world uh, owes us something. Mm-hmm. And and how that might have how the way in which I feel about that or the way in which you feel about that maybe has changed um, as uh, as we've been in recovery. Do you have thoughts about that? Yes, I I can clearly uh, identify with the world owes me something, and um, it is also you know directly connected with me with self pity. You know, feeling in a, a victim space, and mm. for me, when I I knew it was like a spiritual awakening when I first realized if I let go self pity, how much easier everything is. Mm. You know, and um, I still, you know, could say thank you every day for 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 this experience, and yeah, it makes things easier easier because. Otherwise, you are building up resentments, or they are, they are very heavy. You know, each resentment is putting something into your backpack, and you are feeling like carrying a big weight, which is pushing you down. And uh, having this expectation that now every everybody else should take care for you and do good to you, and they owe you something, mm-hmm. but you are owing yourself and. It is uh, the best way, and I think the most successful. Really looking what what you can do for you, and what is important to do. And uh, for me, from my own experience, uh, it's also yeah being able to be self-supporting, having enough money to live, having a place to stay, uh, having. Um, emotional uh, needs um, yeah, fulfilled and not only for other persons but also for myself looking very uh, honestly and, and open what can I do for myself and for my um, I've always the feeling when I've done what I can do for me like you know taking fair care for my nutrition for sports uh, sports and doing meditation so uh, being in good contact with my higher power and so on, then the other things are just coming for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't yeah. have to stand there and say, you owe me something <laughs> now. But I, I, I'm not watching, but sometimes they're just falling in front of my feet and I just have to take them, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think it is a result of um, um, 
of a different uh, change attitude. Yeah. Yeah, one of the readings that I was looking at in preparation uh, for this uh, episode talked about being self-supporting and, and the different ways in which uh, we can be uh, individually self-supporting. And he said financial self-supporting, socially, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically. And, I mean, certainly financially, um, you know, it's sort of my... It's my responsibility to live my life in such a way that the money that, that I make uh, will support me in that life. And I have not always lived that way. Uh, there were times when I uh, perhaps was feeling jealous of others around me who seemed to have more, and I wanted to to live in that way and, and you know, was spend more money than than I actually had, which then results in having to borrow money, which results in not actually having less money to spend because now I'm paying, uh, paying on the debt from what I borrowed. And in fact, uh, you know, I am still, still digging out from um, years of, of living in an unhealthy financial way that uh, lift, left us left our family with a significant amount of debt that, that we have to um, be paying down. And, and we are doing that. And this is, you know, how one of the ways that, that we're working Tradition 7 in our lives now is that we're taking responsibility for that instead of... There were, there were years and years when, in, at least in this country, banks would happily increase your, your credit limit on your credit card and, you know, just... Pay more interest. We're we're good with that. Thank you very much. And uh, then you know the economy started uh, failing or, or not doing as well, and and they started clamping down. And all of a sudden, I think a lot of people were really surprised that they couldn't just get more credit when they they needed they they quote needed it. Uh, and and for a long time, I felt like that was a need, not a um, not not something extra. And so that has been a, a real change in the way we've lived. And I'll tell you that getting into recovery um, has helped a lot with that. I used to uh, resent the amount of money that, that my loved one was spending on alcohol and figure, well, that meant that I had the right to spend money on other things, which just is not a, a healthy financial attitude for sure. But the, uh, the one that uh, uh, really struck me in a little further on in the reading, uh, talked about how my self-worth uh, often depends on being needed by other people. And that was that was something that uh, is was definitely true for me, that throughout my life, if somebody needed me you know, for some for some purpose that, I felt better about myself. I felt like I was a valuable person because somebody needs me. And so I would be looking outside myself for, to feel, to feed my emotional needs. Uh, you know, and, and I know I've heard many alcoholics talk about having that hole that they kept trying to fill with other people. And, and I think I've had, you know, I have the same thing that, 
sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm not complete if I'm not being uh, validated, if I'm not being um, honored by, by somebody else. And, you know, again, that's not a healthy way to live because if there, if I'm feeling that way and there's nobody like that around me at the moment, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be feeling good. I'm not gonna be emotionally healthy. You have thoughts about these other kinds of taking care of ourselves? Mm-hmm. I was uh, just thinking while while you were talking. I, uh, and the opposite, um, never had the feeling that anybody need me. You know, I mm. was uh, thinking that, again, nobody really cares. So I'm often, I was often surprised, you know, I, I wasn't a party or whatever. And I, I wasn't feeling lonely for a moment. And so I just went. And the other day, people were calling and say, well, where were you? Why didn't you say goodbye? And I said, oh, nobody would miss, miss me. Mm-hmm. And, but at the moment it is, I had to, or still have a struggle with the self-worth. And I was always trying to get that from my father. Mm. And, uh, but I was never good enough. If I, you know, uh, did an exam, which was quite good, he was saying, uh, I, I say, congratulations if you got a job or something like that. Yeah. And uh, then I applied uh, at a company and uh, did an assessment center and so on. And afterwards, they were talking to me and they were saying, you had always, uh, looking to my CV, you have always had been working so hard and build it up all on your own. And, and I was, I was so surprised at the moment that I, I nearly cried because then somebody said, you did achieve some, uh, something and it yeah. was so much. And for me, it was natural to work 60, 70 hours already as a student. And what I experience now, even though I, my boss or boss or manager is always a little bit like a father figure, I would say. And uh, I got a very, I get very good feedback at my job. But what it doesn't work with me, I always think, oh, he didn't really know what I'm doing. And if you find out, it is even worse. So I just try working more. And what I found out by this is that nobody else can give me this self worth. If I don't feel it in myself, if I do not start appreciate myself, if I do not love myself, if I uh, don't accept myself and appreciate this work I do, nobody else can give it to me, you know. And uh, so I I could uh, spend the rest of my life seeking for it, and I will never find it uh, except inside me, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, that is that is very true, and I think that is true in many of these different um, ways of being self-supporting, and that's that's what our tradition is telling us. That mm. um, you know, it's not it's not some uh, you know preacher, priest, minister, guru's uh, job to to make me spiritually fit. Um, I can. I can use the 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 knowledge, the wisdom, the you know, the spiritual depth of such people to help me move on my path to spiritual fitness. But in the end, the only person that's going to um, make me spiritually healthy is myself. 
and the same with my physical fitness. Uh, I used to, uh, when I was in grad school, there was a group of us that would go, um, I, th- I forget, I think a couple times a week to uh, an aerobic exercise class. It was uh, dance aerobics, and we enjoyed ourselves a lot, but it was always, I always felt that I needed the fact that these other people were going to keep me going. That if if other people weren't going, then I would have no motivation to show up. That it was sort of uh, my responsibility, if you will, to them to show up. And that if, if I wasn't there, they would notice and say, Spencer, where were you? We didn't see you at class today. And so when I uh, moved from grad school to where I live now, and I did not have this group to exercise with, I had not built up any routine of my own. It was always about going with these other people. And so I didn't have any way to bring that exercise program with me uh, to my new home uh, because I had always been dependent on, on what I felt was my responsibility to them to actually get me to go. And that, of course, uh, you know, led to uh, many years of really not getting uh, sufficient exercise and having, I won't say declining health, but less and less uh, ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 the change was gradual enough that I I didn't really notice it happening until there would come a time when I would say, you know, if I run up a couple of flights of stairs, I am really totally out of breath. I can't do that anymore. And, and this is not the way that I want to be. And so then I started working on exercising, uh, you know, for myself. And I'm still sort of working on making that routine, but I know that, that I'm going for me now. I'm not going for anybody else. I'm not going to impress anybody. I'm not going because I feel I have a commitment to anybody except to myself. And I think that is a, that's a real change that's come out of working, uh, working a program of recovery and, and understanding that uh, the only person that is really going to take care of me is me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when we, um, when we talked before we started recording, you had a, um, a couple of stories that you wanted to talk about of, uh, yeah. Being self-sufficient. Um, one could... picture just coming into my mind, it is a knight on the white horse. Mm. You know, and I sometimes have the feeling that especially girls, you know, are waiting for, because they have this picture. I do not know if uh, men have also a similar kind of picture. But my life would start if the knight on the white horse would come and save me. In yes. Uh, you can start your your life now, or I can start it, and I'm responsible for my feelings and responsible to make me happy. You know, taking care of myself. Yeah. And yeah, I had. Um, I remember once um, a friend of mine. She um, has a little daughter now. She's grown up, and uh, I'm not so good uh, with know how how old kids are. But she wasn't able to talk, but just learn to walk. And uh, my friend was asking her, are you hungry? Do you want your milk? 
And she was nodding. And then my friend said, then go and bring me your bottle because she left it somewhere. And it was a, mm-hmm. it's a huge house. And uh, then this little baby girl was running away, came back, you know, nearly stumbling mm-hmm. and beaming out of pride, you know, handing over the bottle to her mother and uh, she was filling in the milk and she was full of self Esteem, I would say, being proud of being able to contribute to her own nutrition. You know, and yeah. um, I, I can't forget this picture because often people think, yeah, do not let do your children work or they think they love them more when they, they do everything was for them. But I, I will never forget this beaming little girl, you know being so proud uh, of uh, not being just, you know, served, but being able to contribute. That's a great story and a a great illustration of um, the power that we get from finding that that we can take care of our our own needs, that we don't don't need outside support very often. I mean, obviously there are times when... uh, we we do need to ask somebody else for help, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. I guess for me then the 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 uh, the sort of the healthy question is what kind of help and how much do I actually need? When do I when do I start being dependent rather than um, supported? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I was thinking about. You know, the way in which uh, we as members of Al-Anon support ourselves and support other people in the program, and, and I was thinking particularly about sponsorship, where as a, as a sponsor, I am not solving uh, my sponsee's problems. You know, I am not, and, or as just you know, somebody who's receiving a phone call or talking to somebody after a meeting about something, some problem that they're having, I'm not solving their problem, and I'm... I, I'm probably not even uh, giving them an answer. In fact, I usually try very hard not to give an answer because I don't know if my answer is the right answer for that person. But I can share uh, my own experience. I can share my own understanding. And um, and again, particularly in the sponsor role, I try to ask questions more than than give answers. I try to ask questions that can help uh, my sponsee find their own understanding and their own answer. And that's not only good for me that I'm not trying to run somebody else's life because you know, that was one of the faults that I had uh, and still do to some extent, but that was one of the faults that really brought me to Alan. I was trying to run my alcoholic's life. But it also um, really helps hopefully helps the other person to, um, you know, develop a way of, of finding their own answers uh, and their own path in recovery. And, and, you know, what you were saying there about, um, you know, self-esteem, about uh, which I guess self-esteem is a, is a kinder word for, for pride, but I think there's a, there's a good pride that comes from uh, confronting something that, we didn't think we could 
we can get through on our own and discovering that in fact we can. And uh, it's a real joy to see that happen, um, in, for me to see that happen in other people, whether, whether I've maybe given them some, some hints or some pushes along the way or asked them some questions that help them to find their answer or just that, you know, as the, as they grow in recovery, they, they discover that they can do these things on their own and, um, they don't need to be, they don't need to feel helpless anymore. Uh, I mean, how have you found this to be true in, in your, um, in re, in your recovery that, that maybe people have um, uh, supported you in in finding your own uh, your own strength. Yeah, I, I can't name a, a single incident. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, it is uh, really a working as program, and uh, yeah, having this kind of people around, you know, not judging, not giving advice, not being angry if you don't follow the advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Working the program and being always welcomed and feeling loved, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I, I try to giving it back. Yeah. I know for me that was a that was a new experience. Um, you know, I grew up with a father who always knew the right way to do things, and and if and if I wasn't doing them his way, then that was a problem. Uh, and so, being able to be in a place where People are saying, "Well, this is what I did, but this this is not the way you have to do it. If 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 you want to do it a different way, um, that was new. A little scary too. Yes, yeah. And then you know, you are the person who who is responsible for your doing. If you are deciding, or if I am deciding, if I am doing something, then I'm also responsible for." And I often think, you know, asking other f- people for help and advice is trying to get away from it to be as a consequences. Right, right, yes. Because if I ask you for advice and you say, well, I think you should do A, B, and C, and, and then I do A, B, and C, and um, maybe things don't get better or maybe something bad happens, then I can say, well, you know, it was that Ruth. Mm. She told me to do this. <laughs> It's her fault. Yes. Um. <laughs> and, you know, funny thing is that uh, uh, when I make my own decision and something goes wrong or something, you know, it doesn't agree with what I did and then they're coming back to me, I'm feeling more secure and, and safe because I know what's behind and how my decision was made and that I did it with the best will. And if I followed somebody else, you know, and say, yeah, but they said I should do it, then, you know, I, if I'm being confronted with it, then, then I'm, I'm not feeling so, so good and secure as if I'm just, uh, uh, yeah, trying to uh, defend my own decision. So sometimes we fear things or I have feared things which are not so horrible or turned out uh, to be better the other way. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. as always, I, I love the traditions uh, from Al Anon, and every time we're recording, I think, "But this is my favorite one." <laughs> <laughs> and then next time, oh, this is my favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, did you have any uh, final thoughts on Tradition Seven before we close? 
Um, for me, it's is uh, I was a uh, long time in my life. I was really anti-dependent, not independent, but anti-dependent. Mm. And um, like all things, you have to find a balance. You can only, you know, do something for somebody else if somebody taking. So you also have to be sometimes a person who is taking. And uh, this can be also a service. And like always, you know, you have to look at the situation and uh, uh, maybe pray or meditate how it is and be honest to yourself. And it's a give and take in a, in a healthy way. And both, both can be being of service. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, I wanted to close uh, with some pieces from reading in Paths to Recovery about Tradition 7, about um, sort of personal uh, application of, of Tradition 7. This is a section uh, titled, I Began to Grasp the Hope and Faith. I came into Al-Anon completely dependent on outside contributions. Alcoholism had crippled me to the point where I wasn't responsible for myself and my life. I was a 19-year-old single parent on welfare receiving financial aid for school, I was burning out my family members by having them constantly babysit my child and give me rides. I was rapidly using up everyone around me, especially those who loved me. Skip ahead a little. Eventually, I began to feel I owed the world a debt I could never repay. I felt like I would never be worth anything. As a result, I found myself in a constant state of submission. As I kept coming back to Al-Anon, however, the seventh tradition sparked a hopeful challenge in me. And again, turning ahead, um, I'm useful today. A good Al-Anon member, mother, wife, daughter, sister, and employee. I feel good about my life because I know I am doing my part. The seventh tradition has taught me to be a giver instead of a taker. I ask my higher power to show me where I can contribute to life each day. All of my needs are met. I am doing my part, and I feel calm when that is my focus. Uh, and there's there's a lot more um, in the mm-hmm. in the reading in the in the book, and I'd, I'd recommend it to uh, to you uh, to to you our listener. So uh, we'll take a short break, and we'll continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about the meetings we attend and about what's happening in our lives, and uh, of a musical selection, which, uh, as I'll explain later, I'm actually not going to to play, but I uh, will point you to the website. Um, My first selection is Money by Pink Floyd. I think the reference is obvious. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week. Uh, Ruth, would you like to go first? Yeah, um, I had a special event uh, this week. Uh, we had uh, something maybe just special for this area. I do not know. We have a meeting of the group representatives mm-hmm. where we talk um, in general what is happening in our groups, not, you know, gossiping, but, you oh, know, yeah. how our groups are and uh, if you have something we want to talk about and know what's happening in other groups. And this meeting... 
uh, one of the members who uh, was working on the new Germany Alanon webpage introduced that webpage. And I was, you know, flashed away. It's such a wonderful new page. The old one was, you know, very, I would say, looked like 50s. And um, I saw it not very attractive. And on this uh, new webpage, a lot of people worked on it. And uh, it looks modern. It has a lot of information, a lot of uh, additional information in a modern language. And a lot of functionalities, and even so, I didn't take part in it. Uh, I feel really proud, you know, of, of the people who did it, and uh, makes me really happy because I feel much more comfortable uh, directing people to it. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's wonderful. <laughs> and uh, then I, my home group is on Friday. Mm-hmm. We were very uh, few people. I think we were only three. <laughs> so I um, took my uh, device and, and showed uh, people uh, the new web page. And, you know, Germany played in um, Soccer World Cup. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of noise. And uh, we see a lot of drunk people doing crazy things on the street, which was quite uh, distracting. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm... I just wish it is over. <laughs> mm. And, um, yeah, but, so, yeah, I was very grateful for that. My personal life, I will have a new job. I was, uh, I was somehow not more looking for it actively, but I was contacted by somebody and asked if I would uh, uh, like to join an interview, and I did, and I was offered this job, and, we have um, uh, a time of four weeks to limit our contract, and uh, for me, I, w- I want I wanted to leave after maybe two weeks and have a two week uh, vacation, um, so I can really process that change because I will meet a lot of new people and a lot of things will change in my life, and I wanted to have some quiet time for me. But I, my manager is not totally agreeing. They have a little bit of, I would say, uh, panic in their eyes. How how will things go? And um, yeah, so um, there was another journey plan for me, and and so mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. I had my plans, but life is going different. Surprise, surprise! Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I'm I'm trying to adapt. I have some of my, it's a, like uh, a personal slogan. I don't think you, you will find it exactly in uh, the saying in Alanon. But I say to myself, um, I don't know what's a good out of it. And often, um, you know, later on, I found out that uh, I, I meet a person or I miss an, an accident, uh, which uh, I don't want to happen or something else happened. Mm-hmm. So I I, tr- I trust my my higher power and not you know not my will shall happen, right. but maybe someone else's, which may not be my boss, but just he is a tool of something else, and so I will cut along it with it. Yeah, I think that was my week. Okay, yeah, thank you. Um, I guess I'm going to start out by uh, 
thinking about the the meetings I attended this week. Um, Wednesday night meeting in my my home group, and uh, it was first Wednesday of the month, so we had a long uh, share from uh, a member of the group about uh, you know what, as we say, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now, and. Um, you know, I've known this person for a long time and I've known parts of, of her story, but it's always helpful to me to be able to reflect on sort of the fullness of somebody's uh, path from sickness to recovery and, and to relate that to, almost always to relate that to, to my own story. And in, in this case, um, uh, Reminded me that uh, although my loved one is is in recovery and has um, has some fairly solid recovery, that we really are still and always living uh, one day at a time. We never know what tomorrow's going to bring, uh, and that encourages me to uh, to live each day uh, to to its fullest. I mean, something might happen to her. Something might happen to me. Uh, and uh, and not not put off important things like saying I love you uh, because if I say well I can say that tomorrow I don't need to say that today maybe you know maybe maybe I won't be able to say it tomorrow so that was um, that was a good thing to hear and there was uh, a number of other people said some some uh, had some good shares in response to to her story as well. Um, Yesterday, my meeting is uh, the meeting that I get to on Saturday is a step meeting. We were talking about step four, uh, which for a long time was not my favorite step. But and 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 as as people were sharing, as we were doing the reading, and as people were sharing, I was thinking about a couple of things. Um, one was about how the steps break the work into pieces that are doable, doable for me, uh, that when I was working step four recently, uh, it was not my first time through the step, but I was, was working in this, uh, book we call blueprint for progress. And do you have the same book there? And it has questions and the, like the very first question, I think it was the very first question in the first section about honesty. It said, how was I dishonest as a child? And I thought about some things that I had done uh, as as a young person. And then I said to myself, oh, no, I am going to have to make amends to my parents for these things. And I was sp- talking to my sponsor a little while later, and I said, you know, this came up, and there was, like, fear about having to admit that I had done these things to my parents, who probably actually knew. I mean, I've been a parent, and I know how much kids don't get away with, but uh, especially when they're maybe, you know, eight or 10 or 12 and they think they're being so clever, but they're not. Uh, but, uh, you know, having to admit it out loud would be very different from believing that they probably knew what was going on anyway. And, and in any case, he said, you know what? He said, this is the inventory. He said, you don't have to decide what you have to do about anything you find here right now. That those are later steps. 
If, if it's a character defect, then you will deal with that in step six and seven. And if amends are necessary, you will figure that out in steps eight and nine. And you don't have to think about that now because you can leave that for later steps. And, and that was so helpful to me to understand. Yes, I am just, I'm making a list here. I'm just, uh, you know, as, as a tagline of a old TV show and just the facts. I don't have to make a judgment. I don't have to figure out what I'm going to do about it. I'm I'm just finding it, and and that was that that really helped me to get through the rest of that uh, rather daunting book of of uh, questions about my inventory. Um, so, um, and in life, uh, my my children continue to challenge me. Um, my uh, my son has made some more life decisions that I won't say are troubling me, but that that I'm having um, I'm having some difficulty adjusting to um, the way in which he has decided he wants to live his life, and and it's all work that I have to do inside myself. It's not it's not anything about about him. It's it's about the way in which. I feel about stuff that I thought that I was, I, I was not having a problem with. And then when it's suddenly in my face in a new way, I'm having a problem. Uh, so there's a lot of prayer and meditation involved there. And, and I'll probably talk more about that in a later episode. But, uh, but right now it's just, it's a challenge. And, uh, he is home for a couple of months from, from school for the summer. Uh, he'll be heading back at the end of July, which is, uh, you know, it's sort of bitter, bittersweet because it's been it's been very nice uh, uh, seeing seeing him again uh, for the summer and and seeing how much that he has grown. Uh, we had uh, had a really interesting conversation yesterday as we were uh, been uh, you know last week I think I talked about how I was I I washed my uh, the deck outside my house and and managed to make my back very unhappy and this. This uh, this weekend, yesterday, we uh, we were staining it, which is it's sort of like paint, but it's a little more transparent and it soaks into the wood. And he was helping, and as as we were doing it, he was talking about an experience a friend of his had, where he was told um, in high school by one of the authorities of the school that he would never amount to anything, that he was a useless person and, and would never amount to anything in his life. And now he has a very successful. Uh, career uh, working for Facebook and and being in charge of some significant uh, part of of what they do and his friend talked about how when when he was told that he was worthless he said it really it really set him but he felt it really set him back um, and it took him a while to recover from that and and we talked about uh, my son's got some teaching experience where he's in school and he talked about having um, a kid, a, a, a young person in, in one of the classes that he was teaching that he felt, um, you know, was sort of in the same position that uh, he was a capable person who, for whatever reason, wasn't doing well in the class and and uh, that my son had to, you know, recognize that maybe it was just, uh, you know, whatever it was going on, that it was not that, that this person was stupid it was just that that he wasn't, um, you know, he wasn't doing well, and that he still continued to need to, uh, you know, to help him when he could. 
I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that, but it, it seemed to connect to the whole self-esteem thing that we were talking about earlier. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, the other place that, and I continue to use my program at work and, and I was thinking again, as you were talking, uh, about, uh, doing, doing things from, for yourself and, and not needing, uh, or, or having people say to you, wow, you know, you're very, you're very competent here. Uh, and, and this is something that, that I have struggled with, I think for a long time that, I feel I'm a competent person, but at the same time, I'm, I'm insecure in my competence. And so I will do something, and then uh, I feel like I need to ask the people around me, so what do you think? Does this, does this look good? Is this okay? Uh, and I can't just uh, say to myself, yes, this is, this is good. This will work. Uh, I have to have that approval somehow. And whether they're doing it deliberately or not, I think they're doing it because they're very busy doing the things they're doing. Uh, many times I don't get a, a response to those questions. And and that's helping to teach me to have confidence in my own decisions and that I don't need the approval of my peers to, to move forward with the decision that I've made. So, yeah, life and recovery. Sometimes joyful, sometimes challenging, but... Um, much better than the way it used to be. So our topic, um, I know I said uh, I said last week it was going to be the topic this week, but actually I think it's going to be the topic next week because um, I wasn't thinking ahead that this is a holiday weekend here in the U.S., and so most of the people that I would want to ask to uh, to do the podcast with me this weekend are out um, having their holiday, and I didn't, in fact, didn't get any response to some emails I sent out late in the week. People are already uh, already in holiday mode or something. So um, the topic next week uh, is uh, about working the steps. What does it mean to work the steps? How do we know when we're done? Which I think uh, is a topic that was sparked by a question you asked me, Ruth, saying, yes. "Hey, this would be a good topic to talk about." So uh, I hope to I hope to get some feedback from uh, from listeners. Uh, if you have thoughts about working the steps, about how you worked the steps, or uh, Maybe some confusion you had about what it means to uh, to work the steps. Uh, go back if you look at the uh, look at the website um, at therecoveryshow.com and put up uh, a set of thought questions that might help you uh, uh, if you want to uh, share some of your own experience, strength, and hope with us uh, for uh, for next week. And and Ruth, how can people send us feedback? You can call and leave us a voicemail at seven three. Four seven zero seven eight seven nine five. Call us right now to seven three four seven zero seven eight seven nine five. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at show dot com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your question about today's topic of Tradition 7 or next week's topic of what does it mean to work the steps. If you have a topic you would like us to talk about, let us know. Thank you, Ruth. And uh, you can go to the website, therecoveryshow.com, and find all the information about the show there. There are notes for each episode, uh, links to uh, music that... Um, 
we think is is connected to the uh, the topics and uh, links to some other recovery podcasts and websites. And I know uh, in this uh, the notes for this episode, which is number 79, that you, you can find at therecoveryshow.com slash 79. I will have a link to the new German Al-Anon website, which I took a brief look at earlier, and it is um, much more, I, I won't say more attractive, it's it, it's <laughs> definitely very modern looking. Um, I, I really don't remember what the old one looked like, so I can't make a comparison. It, uh, I didn't mean to sound uh, disparaging or anything, but it, it definitely has a, a more modern, streamlined look um, with some, some good uh, good photos, which I assume the people whose faces we can see are not actual Al-Anon members. Um, oh, no, they are not. Yeah, they're, they're models. Uh, of course so. not. And it yeah. is uh, said in, in German, of course, that this is uh, only a synonym photos and so on. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I like the look. Um, and I know that I had some links to the traditions, uh, the German traditions on the website, and and those links apparently have changed. So I need to uh, to find where they are and, and relink those from earlier episodes. In any case, uh, you can go to the website and, and find all this stuff, and uh, you can leave comments there. Um, take a look at our uh, topic list uh, for topics that you might be interested in, uh, suggest new topics, uh, etc. And, uh, you know, if you really would like to join our conversation, uh, literally, you could be a guest host by phone or Skype, just as Ruth is doing today. If you're interested, email feedback at com, And... Uh, I'm going to move forward into um, listener feedback, and I think I sent you an email from Allison, Ruth. Um, yes. Could you read that? Of course. Uh, this is a uh, uh, mail from Allison. Hi there. I've just discovered your program, and I've used it as a great adjunct to meetings and step work. My work schedule is a bit crazy, so I'm not always able to attend meetings. I recently listened to the podcast on detachment. It was very helpful. I've recommended it to others, and I know I will listen to it again. The analogy you used about being angry if your friend had to cancel lunch because she had the flu was a good one. But I would like to take it a step further and ask how you would feel if she then chose not to take care of your illness. My 26-year-old son has been struggling with drugs and alcohol for the past few years, and I have been going to Alanan for the for the past 18 months. This program has definitely saved my sanity, and for that I am truly grateful. Thanks again, Alison. And I did uh, write back to Alison, um, and and you know the question she asks, and you might have some thoughts about that too. Is a very it's a very hard question. Uh, you know, and, and I said in part, I can't blame my loved one for being an alcoholic, I, mm-hmm. but I can hold her responsible for working her program of recovery. But that's not the same as expecting her to work her program of recovery. I can't force her to be in recovery, but I can set some boundaries and take actions to protect myself if she is not taking care of her illness. Um, you know, and if, if a friend who had the flu was not taking care of themselves, I might be sad that they're suffering. I might be scared that their illness would get worse and maybe turn into pneumonia or something and, and that they could die from it. And that feeling of sadness or fear, 
could very easily uh, lead to anger. I might be angry at this person for, um, you know, acting in a way that, that I feel uh, sad or scared about. I might be, uh, you know, angry at God. Why did, why did, why did God let them get sick? Uh, you know, uh, but, uh, the anger itself, um, as I've learned in the program, that anger is what, what we call a secondary emotion. It arises out of something else. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to look for what is it that's, that, that is leading to this anger. You know, am I afraid? Am I sad? Am I feeling somehow threatened? Um, and then I can work with that feeling. Um, if I'm feeling afraid... What am I afraid of? Is there something I can do to lessen my fear, or, or can I just um, perhaps pray for the for the fear to to be lessened? And these are things that I can do um, that uh, that help me. And I and I spoke about my son who, uh, um, you know, he's made some decisions, and and I have fears about how other people are going to treat him because of these decisions that he's made, and. Again, that is not something that I can do anything about. I can't change the way other people are going to feel, and I can't change the way that that he wants to be. Uh, and I know that this this fear is something that's in me, and it may or may not be real. And and I know I had some fears about uh, about what was what might what might happen, and that's always dangerous uh, when he he went to Germany on his own, and you know none of those things happened. Um, none of those things that I was afraid of happened. You know, the fear is real. It's something that, that I can deal with. Um, but if, if I turn that into, um, anger or disappointment or resentment, um, at my son, then it doesn't change the fear. It, it just covers it up. And, and I'm not going to get rid of that anger or disappointment or resentment until I do something about the fear. So I don't know that that was sort of the thoughts that were sparked. Um, I know that's not a an answer for you, Allison, uh, but that's that's what I was thinking. Do you have any mm-hmm. thoughts on that, Ruth? Yes, um, I was talking. You know, and is it a decision stay or leave? Um, uh, at that um, time, I was thinking, how would I act if he would be sitting in a wheelchair? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, which is also something. Uh, maybe accident or whatever he couldn't change, couldn't change and suffer. And I was uh, thinking, would I accept um, non-acceptable behavior? And uh, I would say no. I would also expect from a person sitting in a wheelchair to to deal with the situation. But alcoholism is a very, you know, it's also in mental mental illness mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and. Um, for me, uh, I think it is totally different um, if, if you're talking about your own children or a partner. And, but I know there, there are some young people which are very close to me because I know them since they are born. Mm-hmm. And I know they're, they're struggling with alcohol and drugs too. And it really breaks my heart. And what helps me then is, you know, I, I was sometimes thinking, what can I do? I have to realize that I cannot do a lot. What I'm doing is trying to be a person they can talk talk to, not yeah. judging them, but being open. And um, I also try to 
to tell, especially the girls, you never have to be ashamed when something happens. You can always come me and uh, to to me, and you know I I would try to to help you, not enabling, of course, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you know there can happen things to women, young women, especially when they're drinking, and yeah. um, so and uh, but what helps me is uh, to know that they have their own higher power, and that they may be on their path. And it is not on me to to know if it's now the time that they that they are seeking recovery. Yeah. Maybe they they need some more time on their path. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, it's my fear I have to deal with, and uh, my wish to do something. You know, which is always very in in front. If yes. I could only do something, yes. and I I know that I may just makes the situation worse. So I know they have some, my phone number. We meet from time to time and yeah, I, I can pray for them and, and have hope for them too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we had one other email, um, a short one uh, from uh, AZ. It says, good evening. I've been listening to some of your podcasts and was wondering if you could direct me to one any that deal with living with a sober alcoholic that is not practicing his program. How do I stay safe and stay out of his emotional chaos? If there's not a podcast relating to this, do you know if there's one coming up? Thank you. Uh, well, I never um, know exactly what's coming up, and part of what's coming up is is uh, triggered by uh, things that questions that people ask or suggestions that people make. Mm-hmm. And... I guess I don't have personal experience with that particular situation. And I have. <laughs> you do. That's true. And we talked yes. about that some um, yeah. in a recent episode, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it is a good topic. I think that of the the topics that we've we've covered over the last year and a half. Um, one about uh, living with active alcoholism. I think some of the things that that we talked about in in that episode are also relevant to living with somebody who's, um, as you say, not uh, not practicing a program, uh, sober, maybe not drinking, uh, but still maybe showing a lot of the emotional effects of uh, of the disease still. Um, so that one uh, might have some useful information in it for you, some some experience, strength, and hope that could help you. Another one that I, I think I would point at, uh, we did one um, a, almost a year ago, I think, about chaos. Uh, so if you go to the website, therecoveryshow.com, and in the upper right-hand corner is a little box you can type a search in uh, to find things on the website. And if you type chaos into that box, it should take you pretty much right to that episode about chaos. Um, so those are a couple that that sort of um, off of the top of my head I think of when you ask that question. Um, and thank you for your email. May I add something oh, yeah. very short Please. to that? Please. Because I I could just imagine or it resonates or remember me on my feeling how I felt uh, being with people who have uh, maybe uh, active alcoholism or people working the program. And uh, it really saved me when I uh, found um, some only a very short paragraph and how Alanon works mm-hmm. about 
um, you can call it dry drums uh, mm -hmm. or people who are not working in the program. And for me, uh, how I'm working, um, my program, there's not much difference. You know, you, you are affected by alcoholism, whether the one is drinking or not. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, all of the Alanon uh, program applies also to that case, I would say. Yeah, and uh, I know one of the things that as as I spent some time in the rooms and, and talking to other Alanon members, that the question of um, what does my... Um, what does my safety entail and and how do I determine what I need to to be safe uh, and whether that's emotional safety or uh, physical safety or or whatever um, you know that answer is different for each of us unfortunately we can't give you a, a formula uh, a little bit of news here uh, you may have noticed that in this episode uh, we're not playing music uh, between the sections. And, uh, you know, I've been sort of concerned for some time about whether the way in which we use the music in the podcast was uh, strictly legal under the United States copyright law, which is the one that, that I have to abide by because that's where I live. Uh, and I had some advice that suggested that we could use music that was relevant to the topic, that, that added to or helped to illustrate the content that we were presenting um, under the legal concept of fair use, which is a very complicated and fuzzy area of copyright law. And and different people differ on, on what exactly is fair use. And I think that, you know, it's very possible that, that what we were doing um, is, but it's also possible that it's not. And so I have uh, come to the difficult decision that I'm no longer going to use music in the podcast that I do not have explicit permission from um, the creator of the music to use it. Um, I do intend to continue to select songs that are connected or relevant to the topic, and I will try to mention those songs and put links to them in the notes for the episode. And we will have little bits of music between the segments, but they're going to be, as I say, music that I have permission to use from the person who created it. And uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, the notes for this episode that will have our, our you know YouTube links or whatever, uh, can be found at therecoveryshow.com slash 79. I'm really sorry that to, to have to make this change, and I know that so many of you have expressed how much you enjoy the music that we have played in the past. And, you know, we still have the music, and you can listen to it without us talking over it. So, you know, that's a plus, I guess. Uh, and uh, I just, I'm making this decision to help ensure the continuing health of The Recovery Show into the future. Um, so, uh doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show. We do have expenses. They run about $60 a month. You can help support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Diane, Natalie, Diane, and Sandra did. And, and thank you so much. And I got you know, two, work, two weeks' worth of donations uh, uh, rolled into one here uh, episode because I didn't really do an episode last week. But... Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening. We are here for you. And uh, I did pick another song um, that I would love to close the show with, if I could. The uh, title of the song is I Walk Beside You. It's by Dream Theater. And we may have used this song earlier. I know we used something by Dream Theater um, 
last year sometime, but some lyrics that uh, that came to me, and this is about sort of self-supporting in the group and the way in which sometimes we support each other in the group to keep the group going so that um, it will be there when we need it. And here's some lyrics. Tell me once again what's beneath the pain you're feeling. Don't abandon me or think you can't be saved. I walk beside you wherever you are. And I feel like we walk beside each other um, in this program as we're supporting ourselves and the program. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time. <laughs>